This is a Fubar Radio podcast. For more information, go to foobarradio.com. Callum McSwiggan on Fubar Radio. This is LGBT Plus History Month. Hello and welcome back to the Callum McSwiggan Show. We are doing some very, very special episodes for LGBT Plus History Month. So this is our first episode, which is dedicated to queer people of colour. We have two wonderful guests with us today. Later on in the show, we will be joined by the incredible Alexander Leon. But right now, across from me, I have the beautiful Moan Rizwan. How are you doing? All right, I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm really good. It's amazing to have you here. Thanks, man. I feel like we 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 go way back. Well, like yeah. back a few years. YouTube days. YouTube days. Yeah. Um, you're not doing the the whole YouTube anymore. No. You're, you're like a fully established I'm comedian. Not about that 1080p life anymore, man. <laughs> it's, uh, you, I don't you know. It's, done. Well, it's not. It's not just that, right? I mean, I still upload videos on YouTube as a way of making stuff and you know having creative autonomy because you just upload whatever you want, right? And, and goes, no one can police that. Yeah. But I think if you're a YouTuber and you do it regularly, then you kind of have to like be okay with loads of people looking into your life. And yeah, I don't know if I wanted to make vlogs and you know, there's something about putting yourself on YouTube that makes people kind of go, okay, I have access to this person now. I want to know all the personal details about them. Yeah. Whereas I feel like if you're on stage, people come to see your show, they love it, they applaud, hopefully, and yeah. then and then they leave, and they're not gonna be like, okay, so what's he had for breakfast? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that and that's, it's, it's fine to have both experiences, you know. But I just I want to live in the real life more. I'm, I'm spending too much time on my screen anyway. Yeah. I don't need to be uploading every other day, and then you know, like, yeah, we look on our phones. As it is way too much, right? all the notifications, the red dots. What what's your sc- YouTubers like? Must be so like because it's all that plus all your fandom trying to get through to you, right? What what what's your screen time? Do you know what your screen time uh, is? I don't check mine. Do you, Mine's, uh, mine was horrendous you know, the last time get, I checked it. I got a phone update and it tells me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's horrifying. It is, but also uh, so in January because it's generally a sad month. Yeah. And I feel all existential and stuff, so I try and escape myself by going on my phone. Sure, I've gone up, re- and it's quite bad. Like this week, I've gone up two hours, two, and then th- two hours a day. On one of the days I checked mine, it was seven, seven hours, no. seven hours on my goddamn phone a day. Yeah, or a just week? on like one day. It was like a, a bad day, <laughs> and apparently I spent the entire day on my Dude, phone. What? Like, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what happened. Like, that's watched, more time than that's eating. my life. That's that's <laughs> my that's my life. Like I watched a bit of Netflix on the tube, which was about an hour, but the uh, other six hours. Watching... I, I don't know. Couldn't tell you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sort it out, Callum. Yeah, I need to sort it out. Get your shit together, need, mate. Need to sort it out. Um, you have a new show coming up mm. in the Soho Theatre, mm-hmm. um, and that's called Juice. Mm-hmm. And I know you're very, very eager to tell me about this. I'm just dead proud of it, man. As you should be. It's just that it's, um, it's a show about... It's basically about how I accidentally made my mum famous. Mm-hmm. Um, because I used to make YouTube videos and I used to put my mum in them a lot. Yeah. And then one day I got a call from a producer in India and she was like, we're casting a lead role uh, for a new TV series. I got all excited. She was like, no, not you, your <laughs> mum. 
<laughs> I went to my mum. <laughs> filmed her audition. We sent it off. Three months later, she gets casted in this in this film, Sick. Um, in this TV show. Starts living out there. She's been there for five years. She's a Bollywood actress. She's a household name all across Asia. And I'm not having any of it because that was <laughs> not the plan. <laughs> she's getting more attention for something I did to get more attention from her. Yeah, and that's not on, man. It's not fair. It's not fair. I'm not getting the commission. <laughs> yeah. I wrote an article about it in the New York Times, and uh, I, I talk about how like she, her life has come full circle, right? Because she's we've had a very interesting relationship. Because and I talk about this in my show, but I she has been gifted with a queer uh, son, <laughs> and that comes with um, obviously a lot of confrontational uh, aspects, right? Yeah. Um, so it's about the conversation I had with her where I sat her down, and my tactic was I got to tell her everything all in one go. I got to tell her about my gayness, about ketamine. I got to tell her <laughs> how much I drink. I, I got to tell her about the time I had bacon. I yeah. got to do it all. Yeah, you've got it all in one. And I'm going to do Soften it all in the one. blow. Yeah. So she's overwhelmed. She doesn't realize she's upset. <laughs> <laughs> and I sat her down in the middle of Wagamama and I told her everything. Um, and the way she reacted was so unexpected. And I, I, is that a spoiler if I ask? How it's she, a massive oh, spoiler. Oh, okay. Come yeah, to maybe, the show. Don't, maybe don't tell me. Okay, I'll come. Let's. I'll just say she stole my thunder again. Basically, yeah. oh, she has what a monster. She has a thing. Yeah, yeah. You, she's a horrible person, isn't she? Oh, I don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about your comedy in general because I've seen loads of bits and pieces. I have to say, I don't think I've actually come and seen you on stage yet. Um, you can slap my hands. Yeah, slap on, yourself it. twice, mate. That was, that was very seats. light. I thought you were going to give me a proper, nah, proper whack. Nah, whack maybe later. Also, it's across a desk. It's not. <laughs> um, but I, I've seen so much of your stuff online, on YouTube, but also I, f- I feel like you're just everywhere all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things I think I absolutely love about your comedy is how you kind of, I don't know if you're subverting stereotypes, but you definitely play on stereotypes to really, to be funny for a start. But I feel like you're trying to get a message across there and i'm yeah. kind of interested in you know what what goes on behind the scenes of that yeah i guess but also comedy comes from pain right there's a very thin yeah. line between the two so i think just it, that's just how it forms like the jokes that come out the stories that come out are stories where i've been marginalized or uh, people around me have been marginalized and uh, that's that's the juicy stuff i yeah. guess but um it's hard because like growing up for me there were very, a lot of conflicting identities around my race and my queerness and they couldn't coexist mm-hmm. that wasn't a thing because i couldn't see any of that around me and what you can't see you can't be yeah so um so yeah i i use my like art to address those things because if i don't then why am i doing it you know like yeah i need i need the therapeutic element of of what that gives me, you know? And I, I feel like the the kind of representation element that you, you are giving is really important because, you know, I often think about myself growing up and I think, okay, so I was a, a gay boy growing up and, you know, oh, where can I see myself? But then, you know, every now and then you're, you're thrown a, bo- a bone and I'm like, oh, okay, a gay person on television. But every single time that gay person on television would be white. Mm-hmm. So I think it's those kind of intersections where I think we don't realise how it, how important it is for people to fully be able to see themselves on, on screen because I couldn't tell off the top of my head I'm really struggling to kind of think of any queer people of Asian backgrounds I'm sure there are a few mm. but I'm struggling like well, George Takei famous people yeah 
Yeah, yeah. There, I mean, they're out there. There, there's, there are a few. Let's, but, don't get me wrong, but it's it's, but there's not it's en- hard. There's there's not enough so that you feel like a good spectrum of three dimensional people are being reflected, right? Yeah. So if there's always one person who has to wave the flag of like, oh, that's the brown actor or that's the the gay um, presenter, or whatever. Like that's a lot of pressure on them as well. Mm. You know, they can't represent the entire community. You need several people so that there's um, there's more nuanced representation out there. And uh, yeah, do do you think that's where they're getting it wrong a lot of the time? They're trying to be a little bit more inclusive and say, you know, we want to be representative of more people, but it is that kind of tokenism. It's like, okay, we've ticked our Asian box over here, or we've ticked our gay box over here, and 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 that's it. They don't kind of think, you know, we want a wide group of people to really fully be able to see themselves, and that that doesn't happen by just going, okay, there's a gay person in that show for one episode, box ticked. You know, that's, yeah. it's, it's not real. It's not real life. No, and also, I mean, like, I work in the entertainment industry. Right? We work, we work in this world where it's not just, it's not just about putting people in front of camera or on the mic that that are queer people of color. It's also people behind the scenes because the people at the top, like you know, you can write a script, but the people commissioning it, if they're like, oh no, I don't really get it. It doesn't speak to me. Oh, I wonder why? Because you yes. come from a lot of wealth, yeah, and whiteness. So yeah, it's just about like getting people at the at the top as well that are that represent mm. a wider range of people. And th- this may be a this may be a slightly controversial question, but what do you think of the the term people of color itself because I've 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 seen a lot of kind of debate what, what, over this. I don't know, you tell me what's the latest. I, uh, what's I feel the like la- it changes every day. <laughs> You're asking me. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. Call me anything. Just don't just don't call me non-white. <laughs> sure, yeah. But apart I th- from that I'm like mm, whatever. I mean, I had to like people of color. I I had to, I th- at some point I had to learn that that's what you say. I, like sure. Even so I even, even you didn't know. Yeah. I, I I feel like it's it's more of a, a an umbrella term, and I've and I've heard certain people saying, you know, um, don't just don't describe me as a person of color. Really, if you're going to talk about who I am, like talk about who I am, talk about my heritage, talk about where I'm from. Don't just kind of lump me under this big umbrella because that is okay. such a diverse umbrella that, yeah, that covers I want, so many different people I want you to call me Pakistani born but Essex raised Moan Rizwan Thank okay you is that, that your full name every yeah. time I refer to you every time I refer to you <laughs> during this show okay. also Leo I'm a Leo and if you can mention that that would be really great <laughs> I'm not, not a fan of Leo I was going to no? be honest with you why no, no, just attention seekers a, uh, attention seekers mm. a lot of aggression what? I mean even in this you room you saw the way right I slapped now. you that was not aggressive <laughs> if but anything, you did it you did it I did like, it like yeah. if you were sat over there like a, a Capricorn you, you wouldn't you wouldn't have hit me at all hold on a minute how are you the victim in this situation <laughs> turn it turn it on me classic white boy you know yeah turn, turn oh, it's this. all about you isn't it <laughs> oh, you're so woke I like that thank you Callum <laughs> oh you are very welcome so I, I kind of want a li- I want to know a little bit more about juice I know you can't give me spoilers but I want because I feel like on stage there's a there's a lot to see when you're on stage mm-hmm. you're very flamboyant vibrant there's a lot of props yes. costumes that, that, that's what i've come suits. to sparkly tracksuits that's what yeah. i've come to expect i got a tracksuit custom made that like compartmentalizes so you can like take the sleeves off separately then you can take the legs off and then it all just whips off it's the thing i'm most proud of it sounds like a beautiful thing and yeah. i'm a bit gutted that you didn't make an effort today and wear it like i know but w- i can't wear it if i don't plan on whipping it off I, I mean, why can you not whip it off? It's radio. No one can see you except on the little videos that they film for Twitter. Well, that's the whole point. <laughs> why would I wear something visually breathtaking for radio? <laughs> just for you me. You can just imagine it, though. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm visualizing. A little bit of rouse, not going to lie. 
Just, yeah, I mean, just a little bit. I mean, glitter gets everywhere. That's all I'm going to say. It gets in all the crevices. Oh, yeah. Glitter in my everything. It's my catchphrase. <laughs> um, where can people see your show? It's at the Soho Theatre. It's at the Soho Theatre, th- um, uh, 13th to 16th of March. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it's basically my way of like reclaiming some truth, you know, like I come from a long lineage of lies and I think we all do, you know, like <laughs> yeah. our parents don't know who we are, their parents don't know who they are and um, I wanted to I wanted to break that pattern mm. and um, I've got a very weird relationship with my parents now where they, where they know too much about me and because they know so much about me, they tell me things that I kind of don't want to hear but I'm like, oh, well, this is cool. Are we talking like in- intimate details about you? Well, y- yeah, about no, I mean about the, about the stuff that you know, taboo stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I I can relate. I mean, I have a radio show where I talk about the intimate details of my you sex talk about life. Everything every on the show, like everything. Yeah, I'm jealous because I can't talk about this stuff on my show because it's daytime. Ah, yeah, see, yeah. it's Fubar Radio. You can say whatever the hell you like. Mm. Do you, you can do a swear word if you want. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. Buttholes. <laughs> oh, wow. No, we're that gonna, felt good. Gonna, I, can't say, I can't say that on my show. <laughs> Good to have to take you off air, I'm afraid. That, say, was, that was too much. Really? It was too much. Can't handle the buttholes. Um, um, you talk about buttholes at every show, mate. <laughs> I do. That's like your forte. I do. I do. I love a butthole. I do. Um, but no, but the, the idea is, right, <laughs> I know you do, and that's great. Uh, the idea is that, right, I think a lot of queer stories get buried and a lot of queer history gets buried. And, right, you don't... It, generation after generation, queer stories are the first thing to, you know, to, to be thrown under the carpet. Yeah. And, like, I can't name a single queer ancestor. And they exist. It's sure. just they've been chosen not to be passed down, you know? Like, you hear about that uncle who we don't talk about or that wayward auntie that went to Canada with a yeah. female friend. But queer ancestry gets killed off and it's sad. And until we talk to our parents about it, it's not it's never gonna carry on. Well, I think not just in ancestry, I think even like in, in like wider history, I feel like there's so much erasure around LGBT plus history. As, again, especially when it comes to like people of colour, you know, I, I don't know what your thoughts are on the Stonewall movie, but there was a lot of controversy around that because they like whitewashed the hell mm-hmm. out of it. It was like, oh mm-hmm. look, all these white people made Stonewall happen. It's mm-hmm. like, that's that's not what happened at all. And I feel like that's something quite common. And, you know, I'm always hearing these amazing stories and we're, they're just not getting the attention they deserve. We had Bob the Drag Queen on this radio show, for instance. I love Bob the Drag Queen. And she talked about, you know, being arrested and going to jail because of her campaigning and going out in the streets and trying to rally support for, like, equal marriage and things like that. And they, you know, they threw her in jail for that. And th- th- that's not something anyone's talking about, you know. And, mm. that, and these moments of history, and yes, that was recently, but it's still history. It's still, I feel like we're making history all the time. And I feel like... There is this tendency to just kind of roll over everything, especially if it's like, oh, that's not a white person, so we're not going to document that person. Why, why is that? Oh, why but, is that? <laughs> uh, systematic oppression, mm-hmm. I think, is the answer I, I to that also, question. I think also because like stories, I, I don't know, they're, they're passed on by people who want to, f- oh, I don't know, but you, stories are passed on by people that see themselves in them. Yeah, And I think sure. if a lot of people in power are, are not from a diverse background, then they're the ones who are spreading the stories, you know? 100%. And that includes media, that includes execs. Well, we count as media here, so we're, we're, we're trying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're reading about bit by bit. You yeah, about you but- stay late night, man. I'm talking like- about buttholes. Yeah, you know, good. That stuff. All right, should we have some music? Have some music. All right, this is A Little Bit of Lona by Mickey Blanco.
I think this will tie in quite nicely. Um, I'm really interested in knowing who your LGBT plus icons are. Like, who do you look at? Whether they're historical, whether it's now, who do you look up to? I already know one of the answers, which is why I'm asking you now. Yeah, I mean, you've just played Mickey Blanco and then before that, Janelle Monae. So I w- Which wasn't set up deliberately. No, I did not know you were going to say those two now people. Now it also th- sounds like I'm just like, uh, the last two people I've heard. <laughs> <laughs> but I generally think they're great and the rap game needs more queer people, right? Yeah. Um, but I think my true, true gay icons, and from a young age, uh, were Timon and Pumbaa. Okay. Because if Tell- you think about it, right? Right. Timon I'm, and Pumbaa. <laughs> I'm ready for this, yeah. yeah. They were Disney's first ever gay couple. Were, were they though? Were, yeah, I, I don't mean to doubt it. Look, I'll get Mamon my representation me... where I can get it, okay? <laughs> Mamon gave me the dirtiest look when I questioned that. Beggars can't be choosers. I was a kid, I needed any representation possible. Yeah, okay, I feel And you. they were funny and they were... I mean, look, think about it. They're proof that gay adoption works. Yeah, I mean, look at Simba. What, like, they yeah. raised him right. They raised a kid who went on to become king. <laughs> of what? Of Pride Rock. Come on. Pride Rock. That good. Yeah, I can't can't take that away from mind you. blown. Right? Mind, yeah, splattered all over the all over the walls Sorry. and ceiling. I did spit a bit. Did, did, have you have you seen Bert and Ernie's Twitter? No. I know I've taken a tangent with this. They it says on their Twitters that they're each other's best friend, and that really upsets me. I'm like, why? Why can it not just say? I think it says roommate and friend. Yeah. And like, why can it not just say that they're madly in love with each other i mean because they click like Timon and Bumbo. yeah and i feel like there's a few characters in disney films where you could really dissect you know what i mean yeah and uh the new beauty and the beast like had a moment didn't it, it oh with... i don't know how i felt about that moment i feel like yeah it what, was a bit tokenistic no w- yeah but like the fact that it was hyped up so much they were like oh my god we're gonna have this moment in this disney film we're gonna be oh, inclusive see, i didn't hear about it until i saw it and oh. i was like oh that's cool whereas i didn't hear all the hype i feel yeah i heard so much hype oh. about it oh then then it would be i felt so like i was yeah i felt like i was being baited into watching it and then when i saw it i was like what that 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 two seconds yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. that little two second clip that could be passed off as a comedic whatever throwaway moment yeah what what do you think about you know speaking about like amazing queer musicians like janelle monet etc what do you think about the announcement of kylie minogue hosting brighton pride this year Oh, I didn't even know that. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm telling you now. <laughs> I'm so I'm under a rock. Uh, <laughs> oh, I thought... I, I don't know. She's hosting Brighton Pride because she's a gay icon. Yeah. Well, yeah, because I, I kind of feel like in two minds about this, you know. I think she has dedicated so much of her life and her career to standing up for LGBT plus people in a way that few other people, I mean, like Madonna has, Lady Gaga has, but there are very, very few people who have fully gone, you know what, I'm going to dedicate a massive portion of my time and career to supporting these people. Has she though? I don't know much about She has, yeah, yeah. yeah. She's got an in- incredible track record. Oh, um, like for, politically for decades, taking risks. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, we're talking since the beginning of her career she's been supportive when it wasn't as popular to do so mm. so you know i think she's it, not like barclays who just like <laughs> up on the bandwagon at pride in london oh I where were you barclays when I they were can't. getting arrested oh now you want to put a bus in, in front okay on the parade great <laughs> it really bothers me it, it does really bother oh, yeah, me yeah i love skittles yeah yeah <laughs> thanks to skittles i've i've i'm now no longer oppressed <laughs> <laughs> there, was, oh, there, 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 there was something really it was the you know and, and since you know it's LGBT plus history month there was the moment where I think it was the 
lesbian and gay support the minors yeah were supposed to lead the parade again to celebrate the yeah, yeah. anniversary of it and barclays as the sponsor turned around and said no we've put we've put loads of money in we want to stay at the front yeah and it's like come on it would have been like even speaking from a pr perspective it would have been yeah, quite right. nice to go you know what hands up we're gonna step back we're gonna let you take the yeah. lead and i would have been like you know what you know well done barclays yeah Standing ovation. You're so right, though. From a PR perspective, actually, it was like they did look like douchebags. It didn't come off well. Yeah, it did not come off well. But they insure my phone, so it's all good. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) They don't. Shout out! I left them after that horrendous. There, I'm I'm with HSBC. I'm just putting that out there. They're all corrupt, man. Are they? All the banks. Where where, where, where am I supposed to put my money? Put it under your bed, (laughs) under your mattress. (laughs) Um, one, we're actually running out of time. Okay. Um, I would, I would love to talk to you about you know banking all day. (laughs) Um, And the pink pound. (laughs) I felt like I turned into an old bit of granddad there no i i actually fully support what you said and i think a lot of people are actually really afraid to kind of make those statements in such a public place you know we've got five million people listen to this show so oh you don't tell me five million yeah five million oh well then i take everything i said back <laughs> yeah take, I'm take it back desperately poor barclays if you want to hire a funny brown guy the, the, there's, I'll there's sell a, out any day there's a red button you can hit if you want to take us off air at, at any moment oh great you can just feel free to Away. Well, more power to Kylie, I think, is the roundup of that. Yeah. I said nothing on the issue, but... I, the, the, the one thing I was getting at is, wouldn't you prefer to see somebody like Janelle Monet or somebody headlining? Because I would. I love that Ky- Kylie's there. I, I'm the biggest Kylie fan ever. I think she's an amazing icon for the community. But, you know, put put somebody like that up there or Hayley Kiyoko. Hayley Kiyoko. You know, you know, there's so many people it could have been. Yeah. Yeah, but also, I don't know. It's tricky. It is tricky. Maybe Kylie was cheaper. <laughs> it's 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 pro- it's probably true. Jan- Janelle's expensive these days. Yeah, I can imagine. Since Moonlight, she's hard to get a hold of. I do. I, do I try f- calling every day. She <laughs> she's not, she's not answering. Mm. Not Whereas answering Kylie, text. she's in my DMs every day. I'm like, Kylie, <laughs> chill, man. <laughs> chill out, girl. Yeah. Yeah, I feel it. Um, so, Juice, I want to get. I, w- I want to give you the opportunity to plug this one more time. I want to come and see it. Yeah, you better. I, I will. Be front row. Um, is there any audience uh, kind of engagement interaction going mm, on? No. No, it's a very it's a very inclusive show, um, but, but I mean, there's what okay okay there's one bit where I, where I get someone up, but it's so short and it's so joyous. It's never done in a picking on them kind of way. Okay, I I fully understand my responsibility as a performer, and the performance comes from me. Sure. No one has to pay for a ticket and then do the work. <laughs> you just got to sit there and enjoy the story. It's it's always me in that situation. It's always me that gets dragged it? in. It, like, let me see your audience face. Yeah, too eager, mate. Yeah. Too eager. <laughs> So j- just uh, for the, um, just uh, Callum had a very straight face, but it was in your eyes. Yeah. Your eyes were just like, yeah. I just, think there's a little bit of fear there as well. It may, it just it's, it's a yeah. lot of things that make them pick on me. I have a really bad habit of picking the most reluctant person. Yeah, it's not, like I'm gonna break you, <laughs> and I've learned the hard way. Just uh, Moan, don't do that. <laughs> uh, well, Moan, I, w- I wish we could chat all day, um, but but that actually is the end of our moment in the sun. Yeah, well. It's, uh, Good being here, man. <laughs> this has been this has been nice. Therapeutic, uh, therapeutic I, at times. I want to ask you, and I'm going to put you on the spot with this. Um, if you would have a message for a young LGBT plus person, maybe a, maybe a queer person of color growing up, what would that message be? It would be, um, do do your own thing. Yeah. Despite what the media tells you, there's more of you out there 
and you will find the right people that will make you the joyous person you need to be in your life but don't don't rely on the on the on the media just do your own thing do your own thing that was that was really touching i thought you were going to take the piss but that was actually really i wasn't was heartwarming i'm a touching person it was like yeah well thank you so much for being here um everyone listening go and see Mawan's show juice at the soho theater go and buy a ticket right now and i promise i'll be there Front row and centre. I see you there, man. <laughs> All right, let's have a little bit more music. This is another queer woman of colour that I absolutely adore. This is Lizzo. Worship me. I'm just about recovered from the NTAs. I saw some pictures of you with Richard Madden. Dickie Dickie. was very excited about his award, obviously, Mm. and seemed to take an interest in my dress. I said, you're going to do Bond? And he looked at me and went, what do you think? I said, I think you should. He went, thank you. So do I. (laughs) And he just was having a great time. Wanted to know where the next party was. Asked my number. There you go. So you swapped numbers with Richard Madden? I've got his number if you wish. But I wouldn't give it, obviously. He just um, split with his girlfriend. Just putting that out in the universe. Okay, every Thursday. Access all areas. From 6pm. Fubar Radio. Callum McSwiggan on Fubar Radio. This is LGBT Plus History Month. It is LGBT Plus History Month and I am joined now by the absolute angel that is Alexander Leon. Some would say icon. I, um, it's a push. It's, it's a stretch. <laughs> That's it, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm really well. You know what? I was just saying to producers outside that I'm really excited to be here, but I am slightly mortified because I am wearing a coffee-stained, Greg's vegan sausage roll-stained T-shirt. Didn't realise. to serve a look. Yeah. And I forgot that we were going to be filmed. Yeah. So no one, no one watched the film when it comes out. <laughs> Don't look at us. I'm going to constantly retweet it. <laughs> I just, I just want people to know that, you know, that I, what, uh, what you wore for the Kaleidoscope Trust dinner. Oh, yeah. You saw that. Of course I oh, saw that. Colour. I watch everything you do. T- 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 tell me about that look, because that was fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I want to seem like I'm the expert on all things South Asian uh, fashion. Turns out uh, I've been calling it a kurta, which is the wrong word. Mm. So it turns out I'm terrible <laughs> at my own culture. Um, basically, it's a it's a traditional South Asian kind of tunic. It's called a shivani. And a kurta is the thing that you wear underneath. Right. And I kind of... You know, the Kaleidoscope Trust Gala, it's an opportunity to dress up. Obviously, it's a fundraising event. But more than anything, I kind of just want people to be terrified of me. Sure. Terrified, but also intrigued yes. by my non-white fashion. So I just thought I'd kind of own it. And to be honest, the amount of people who thought I was staff was more than I had. As Are in, you like, joking? Yeah, no, of course not. I mean, people were like, oh, brown man in traditional dress. How do I get to the bathroom? And I was like, <laughs> but wow. I actually am staff of Kaleidoscope Trust, so I couldn't, I couldn't quite um, I, be annoyed. I, I, I feel like that's something, you know, as... Uh, as, as, as a privileged white person, I feel like it's not something that I actually realise goes on as much as it does, you know, like the the fact that you would think, oh, I'm, OK, I'm going to wear this outfit. The fact that you would think for a start that you would have to know everything about it, that there would yeah. be an exp- expectation for you to have all the knowledge on that thing. Mm. Uh, you know, secondly, that you would the fact that you would dress that way would intimidate certain people. And thirdly, the fact that they would think you were staff. I think the funny thing was that people were so bamboozled by it. Like, I didn't have to do anything. I just stood there and people were like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Which I kind of liked in a way. But no, I think that is part and parcel of of being a minority. You know, when I'm 
in a room full of, of straight cisgender people, I become the expert on all LGBT things. Sure. When I'm, in a, when I'm in a room of queer white people, I become the expert on all LGBT people of color related things, which yeah. I'm of course not, right? I'm not a trans woman of color. I don't know the experience of a trans woman of color. But that is part and parcel of of, of being a minority. People expect you to, to have all the answers and not have yeah. to change everything. And we, we don't necessarily. We're just trying to live our lives a and live them to the fullest, right? A, qu- a question I put to Mawan, who just mm-hmm, was mm-hmm. in the studio. Who was hilarious. Us. I mean, shout out to Mawan. Isn't he a he hero? So, I was so pissed off. I was like, he's so much funnier than me. No, you're, no, you're great. You're, <laughs> he's hilarious. You've made me laugh two times already. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but one of the questions I put to him was, you know, how do you feel about the term, you know, people of color? Because yeah. I think, you know, it's this umbrella term that we use so much but like there are so many different diverse identities underneath that umbrella yeah i mean it's a political term in the same way that the lgbt plus term is right and it's imperfect because in trying to create a a political grouping of people you obviously lose some of the nuance within that grouping i i like the term people of color for myself personally but i don't try and um impose it on on anyone else sure i have a lot of black friends who feel uncomfortable with the term because they feel more um i guess they feel more comfortable using the word black because it it better encapsulates their experience yeah um whereas i use the term person of color because i'm a mixed race person i don't necessarily have a brown is not a word that we use necessarily um in our day-to-day discourse and I think that if anything, it encourages us as as a community and as a group of people to understand um, that we have more in common than we have apart. Yeah. You know, I don't know what it's like to yeah. be a black person. I don't know what it's like to be an East Asian person. But what I do know is that black, brown and, and Asian people and everyone that fits underneath the category of a person of color or BAME um, is on the receiving end of, of racism. And it's yeah. often from white people. There's still racism within that community. But we all kind of suffer from um, institutional discrimination or structural discrimination. And so I think the term is actually really important because it gives us the space to go, oh, I'm one of the I'm a person of color and you're a person of color. There's a lot different about our lives. We might speak different languages. We might be from completely different parts of the world. We might share absolutely no DNA whatsoever. But actually what we do have in common is the fact that we have a common oppressor or or a common um, uh, I was going to say common enemy, which is not the right term. <laughs> a, sh- uh, a shared experience. A that shared experience isn't always absolutely, positive. Absolutely, and I think I think that's um I think that's really important mm. in the same way that LGBT is. In the same way that you know I can't know what it's like to be a trans person, but I can see that trans people and gay people are you know not ne- have have a shared experience and can benefit from understanding each other's shared experience, right? Well, you know, speaking of understanding from each other's shared experiences, I'm going to segue into a topic that I know that you are very passionate about and I'm very passionate about myself. Um, You know, as it is LGBT Plus History Month, and that is what we are celebrating on the show today, I want to talk about... The rainbow flag. Oh, yeah. no. Triggered. We like a, Trigger like a soundboard. <laughs> Triggered. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Let's talk about it. Uh, so, obviously, you know, the, the, the history of the rainbow flag is one yeah. of my favourite things. I'm not going to get into that right now because no. I could be here for 25 and minutes. And it is genuinely fascinating. It is. Yeah. It, it's brilliant. Yeah. And it, it gave us this all-inclusive symbol, you know, that we could all kind of use. Again, it's, it was the commonality of, of all of us you yeah. know we all fit under this rainbow yeah. and that's amazing and then i believe it was in philadelphia yeah um two years ago they decided to create i don't know if this alternative flag has a name i think it's called the brown and black stripe pride flag but i actually don't think it does have a name it, sh- it should have a name yeah 
I don't. Why doesn't it have a name? That's actually really odd. It needs a name. I know why it doesn't have. A, I know why it doesn't have a name, really, because it was never meant to be. Anyway, keep on. Let's keep on talking about it because I am already triggered. You can tell by I'm already. I'm already like. <laughs> so, so, so this flag. I, I, it was made to kind of acknowledge that there's yeah. an issue with racism within the LGBT plus mm-hmm. community, and as a way of trying to, I guess. Uh, bridge of the gap I don't know if that's the it right a word symbol. a symbol it was a symbol of a particular experience within the LGBT community in the same way that the trans flag is a symbol or you know the American flag with pride colours is a symbol of a particular experience within yeah. the LGBT community and I, I thought it came at a really important time you know it came yeah. at, you know alongside things like Black Lives Matter happening yeah. Yeah. and I feel like people were starting to realise that there were kind of issues with race within the community and mm. this flag came along and the second I saw it I was fully on board and yeah. I I Same. thought it was an amazing symbol. Um, I wore the, I had a little pin of it, which I wore at Pride last year. I saw lots of other people waving the flag, which I thought was amazing. Um, and now I, I feel like the listeners of this show will already know this. But if you do not, there has been a lot of backlash. Massive against, backlash. Uh, yeah. Huge backlash kind of against like this flag. inexplicably gargantuan. I don't <laughs> understand it. Like it's, it's, it's. Besides, to me, it's infuriatingly yeah. strange, and I try to understand the opinions of the people who are saying that they don't like it. But I just, it doesn't sit right with me that they don't want to, you know, embrace something that is just supposed to be more inclusive. But I think at the crux of it is this like fundamental misunderstanding of the role of that flag yes. and what the majority of people of color, in my opinion, um, and and based on my, you know, not particularly. Uh, uh, comprehensive research, but basically talking to all of my friends that I know, some of whom are extremely, um, you know, prominent and and um, uh, passionate LGBT activists who focus on queer people of color. I don't know almost any people of color who want to replace the pride flag yeah. with the brown and black striped flag. And it seems like that is the fundamental misunderstanding. You have people saying we shouldn't have to replace the flag. The, the flag is inclusive. Yada 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 yada. I don't think anyone disagrees. All we're Completely. asking for as queer people of colour is a, is a symbolic acknowledgement of a particular set of issues that we face and just our own flag. I mean, the flag will be flown at Black Pride, it'll be flown at Pride events alongside the original Pride flag. There's no, um, there's actually no tension there. The tension has been created because uh, many people in the LGBT community, particularly um, uh, white, gay, cisgender men, it would seem from the amount of trolling I get from that particular demographic, uh, <laughs> um, feel that the existence of this flag somehow encroaches on their experience of being yeah. LGBT. Um, and I guess what the question is, you know, for, for, for listeners and for people who are thinking about this and talking about this, why is that not expressed when we have a LGBT Christian flag that has yeah. a cross in the left-hand corner? You know, why do we not think that way about the trans flag or, you know, the enormous amount of variations of the pride flag that currently exists as you know and i think frankly it comes down to racism you know there's this thing of like oh well now you're trying to occupy our space you're trying to take our space from us we're not yeah we just want an acknowledgement of the fact that there's rampant amounts of racism within our community we have our own experience which is unique to us which has never been celebrated or very rarely celebrated historically and continues to not really be celebrated in the way that it should be um and all we're asking for is that symbol and the simple uh the simple uh, ask of that symbol seems to be so enormously controversial. And I guess that is, for me, extremely disappointing. You know, when I was writing the script for the YouTube video on this, I was extremely emotional because 
it was a reminder that yet again, whenever I try and take up space or talk about the issues that affect me as a person of color within our community, it's always inherently controversial to someone. Mm. When all I'm really talking about is my life and my experiences and, and uh, my particular experience. And I think for me, the backlash showed that there's a lot of, there's a long way to go. I, I, I think I completely agree. You know, the the backlash really kind of showed me that this is that this yeah. is still an issue. The fact that people would kick off in this way. And, I, you know, I had a lot of people tweet me when I talked about it. Um, and, and that's me, a, wh- a white person talking yeah. about it. You know, yeah. I can only imagine that because there's a lot of people out there really, really fighting for this flag. And I think yeah. that's amazing. And they're getting so much backlash. Um, some of the I, I replied to a few tweets and things about this where people were saying, you know, this shouldn't be replacing our flag. And I was like, well, hang on a second. It's, it ain't. Like you said, it, it, it's, <laughs> it's not replacing yeah. the flag. Yeah. It's just an alternative flag. Mm. And like you said, there are so many other there are actually over a hundred different variations of the pride flag and i don't think i have ever heard anyone complain about a single one of them Mm. and now suddenly there's this flag and a few people are going this is great this makes us feel included this makes us feel more a part of this community this is highlighting an issue that we're really passionate about this is a really really great thing and people are saying no you can't have that I think it's also because Manchester Pride. I mean, the, what what you know? Yes. This happened two years ago, yeah. right? It's because of Manchester Pride deciding to use this flag uh, as their symbol for their Pride celebration that this conversation was reignited. And so I think because there are institutions and organisations out there who are saying, "Yeah, this is a problem," and we're going to symbolically show that we appreciate that this is a problem and that we want to do better, that people feel like their space is being encroached on. Mm-hmm. When actually, it's just an acknowledgement. It's actually it's actually quite an empty symbol. You know, it's it's not it's not as far as I'm aware. Manchester Pride hasn't said anything about you know what they're they're planning to do to create a more inclusive space. I mean, I'm, my hope is that they they are doing that. But just I think it comes down to I don't know. Every I, I feel very often every time that I I ask for anything in these spaces, someone finds a reason to say no, mm. and that's as a. Uh, I'm, although I'm a person of color, I'm a cisgender gay man, and I have all the privileges that come along with that. And if 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 you know if we as a community can't even have that, it just it, it it's it's um it's disappointing. Yeah. Actually, so you know, having said that, there are also lots of people out there who are like, yeah, yeah, brought a black flag, yeah, people of color, which is great, and that's you know that's what we need actually, you know, um, allyship. I think I think that's a really really positive takeaway. Yeah. Actually, you know that, that yes, there may be people trying to shut it down, but there's also a lot of people flying it. And what you know, I I, I hope this had an impact on people. But you know, even me as a white person, when I was at Pride last year, mm. the fact that I saw so many white people flying the 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 brown and black oh, that always rainbow flag, I was like, that is re- they've gone out of their way mm. to get that flag to say, you know what, to all my friends out there. Um, you 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 are welcome here, yeah. and I'm just just by waving this flag, it's not hurting anyone. I'm just telling you that you have my support. I understand the issues. Like you said, it's an acknowledgement. Yeah, and I had the exact same experience at UK Black Pride, seeing white friends and other white people fully engaging in in uh, the celebrations in a way which was respectful and like wanting to. Um, Wanting to acknowledge how amazing and diverse queer people of colour are. Mm. So we're bridging that, that gap slowly. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's always going to be controversial, isn't it? Well, I think we need to remember that Pride 
is supposed to be controversial. Yeah. You know, Pride started as as, as a protest. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we had the Freedom Day parade in San Francisco mm. and mm. the first official Pride in New yeah. York in, I think, 1970. And, and now it costs £75. <laughs> what? <laughs> and now it's, it's tremendously expensive. Yeah. I do appreciate, though, I think it's really hard for Pride organisations to raise money for Pride. It is. Um, and, I, and I think that is worth acknowledging that it is a really, it's a slog for them. And, it's, and most Prides are kind of volunteer-led. And, you know, so I get that there needs to be some kind of commercialization of Pride on some level in order to, um, to have an event which is, is, is it, it, scratch. It's difficult. But £75 does feel like a lot, doesn't it? It's expensive. And I actually um, tweeted my frustration with this. And Mm -hmm. I had a a couple of people come back to me who are actually volunteers who work at London Pride. They work at Brighton Pride and Manchester Pride as well. And they were kind of saying, look, we we agree with you. We wish it could be free, but it's it's becoming a bigger event. And as it becomes bigger and bigger, it's harder to fund and it's difficult. But one, I think one thing that I really, really took away from this, and it was really, really positive, was that the amount of money that Brighton Pride raised last year for Mm. LGBT plus causes mm. um, and that was because of Britney being there and you know the slightly pricey ticket price yeah. and I didn't understand or appreciate yeah. that so just I know it's a lot of money and I want everybody to be able to attend but yeah. I think my viewpoint has actually changed a little bit on this mm. because actually that money is going not just to put on Pride, but to other amazing places as well. Yeah, but it also comes down to, like, what is the function of Pride in our society? You know, Pride in certain parts of the world is still and is still necessarily a protest. But we are in a position in this country where we have won not all, but many of our rights. And so perhaps um, our Pride celebrations have to change alongside the, the kind of new... The, the new the new rights that we're winning and the new kind of yeah. people that we're becoming, which which would make sense to me, but I think that you know we're in a bit of a transition phase, right? Like it's um, equal marriage or decriminalization of same sex intimacy. These are like actually new things. Mm. Um, you know, even in the US, it wasn't uh, decriminalized until it was like in the last fifteen years, federally, right? And which is insane when you think about it in the United States. So I think all these things are new. And so maybe our pride celebrations have to change alongside the LGBT community changing and becoming more equal, which Absolutely. is something to celebrate, right? I, th- I think it's almost a case of the more equality we get, the, the more we realize the less w- that we have. Yeah. You know, once we're like, yeah. okay, we're not, n- nobody's trying to murder us anymore. <laughs> then yeah. we go, oh, okay, so we want to get married. And then we realize, oh, we can get married now. And we start to see smaller issues. And, yeah. it, you know, all these issues are constantly becoming apparent. And it's just kind of acknowledging them and, yeah. and making a change one step at a time. Yeah, absolutely. Should we have some music? I love some music. All right. This is a little bit. Oh, I absolutely adore this man. This is Sierra Leone by Frank Ocean. We're spending too much time alone. We're spending too much time. That little unexpected guitar at the end threw me. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about all the work that you have been doing. I know you work at Kaleidoscope Trust. I do. I have no idea what you do there. Give us money. Um, <laughs> at Kaleidoscope Trust? Yes. Yeah, so I'm, I can talk all about Kaleidoscope Trust. So basically we're an LGBT human rights charity and we work particularly with um, people, activists and organisations uh, across the world in countries that still criminalise same-sex intimacy. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is the kind of layman term. I mean, the the work we do is extremely complex. We look at things like legislative reform. Um, we look at intersectionality between women's movements and LGBT movements in different countries and in different regions. But the, the kind of um, 
the the basis of it is basically that we're trying to help uh, and collaborate with activists on the front line in their mm. countries to um, to gain equality for LGBT people across the world. That's because really... we're in such a privileged position yeah. in, in the UK and, and across Europe, broadly speaking. Um, and I've always been extremely passionate about ensuring that once we win a certain extent of our privileges that we that we give back to the, to the rest of the world but that we give back in the way in which they want right we don't want to fly in fly out and say fly into a country go and do this to get equality and fly out no we want to yeah. support the people that are doing the work uh, who speak the language who are, who are you know part of the culture and Kaleidoscope Trust has always been um, a really really wonderful organisation for doing that work in a kind of ethical and sustainable way with people on the front line that's that's amazing and yeah. I, I feel like kaleidoscope trust is what is one of the you know we have so many amazing lgbt charities we it's one it's do. one that i haven't actually heard a lot about yeah so it's really great to hear i i didn't actually know the details of that so that's yeah. really wonderful to hear we're quite small and we've actually been growing recently as well um because i think this issue is becoming more and more pressing for people in this country where people in the country are realizing that we're actually fairly comfortable. I mean, not to downplay the enormous amount of discrimination that still goes on and violence. And, you know, I think the treatment of trans people in this country is horrific mm-hmm. and intersex rights are still a bit up in the air. But, you know, um, we do, uh, many people in this country do have a capa- capacity to help yes. other people. Um, and, yeah, I'm, I'm really lucky to work for an organization that, that does this kind of work. And there are plenty of other organizations out there. I mean, Stonewall has an international program, which is really yeah. wonderful. They're focusing on the rights of um, uh, lesbian, bisexual, and trans women, which is an extremely under-researched area. Yeah. You have organizations like the Human Dignity Trust who support uh, people who are trying to... Uh, uh, legislate for change, so who are kind of like maybe suing the government around particular laws uh, regarding LGBT equality. So yeah, there's lots of organisations out there um, and lots of good work happening. I think as well, like you personally, I think you're doing a lot of amazing work. There are a few Thanks. names that come to mind. Like I think a lot of the time, like with issues like the, I'm not going to go back onto the rainbow flag. Don't worry. <laughs> Drink but, it again. But, 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 but with issues like that, um, I often find myself. You know, sometimes I'll go to Twitter and I'll be like, I actually want to see you know, what actual people of colour are saying about mm. this. And I think there are, there's, there's a handful of people I always look to, people like Phil Samba, yeah. Lady Phil, Travis Alabanza. All of whom are phenomenal um, activists and people. And, but yourself as well. I feel oh, like you're really um, occupying a space that needs to be occupied. You're, you've, you know, you've made your own YouTube channel where you're talking about issues that affect the LGBT plus community. And you probably know this, but YouTube's very white, it's also, can <laughs> we notice like, this? It's, I mean, I did notice <laughs> it, but it's also really hard mm. and really expensive. And it I, is, and, yeah. And as soon as I started pursuing it, like I kind of in my mind began to realise perhaps why it's so white, um, for you know, for a bunch of different reasons. But no, thank you. I mean, I. I must say that there are lots of LGBT people of colour on YouTube doing really cool and interesting stuff. But what I found when I was doing my research before I started the channel was that a lot of those people are, are they're doing comedy or they're doing, you know, kind of your traditional vlogging, like a yeah. day in the life. And they're not necessarily explicitly talking about issues that affect them and their community. And so I kind of saw that there was a bit of a niche there and I jumped on in there. Um, 
But yeah, I'm really excited about the YouTube channel. It's just like, it's really hard. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize how difficult it but is. But you're doing a great job of it. Oh, thank you. You do a really, really thank good job you. of it. Um, we're actually coming right up to the end of the show now. Um, but there is one last question that I wanted to ask you. Oh, okay. um, and this is, who is your LGBT plus icon? Oh, yeah. Look, this is so hard. I, d- I know, but you're going to have to answer. This is so hard. <laughs> okay. So, I let me just say, let me just um, give you my wording. So, I... I wanted to say Lady Phil because Lady Phil is a genuinely phenomenal activist yeah, and I think acts in many ways as a symbol of uh, my movement and our movement as LGBT people of colour. But I couldn't possibly call her an icon on air because she would think that's hilarious and tease <laughs> me about it. Um, I don't look. I'm going to make like a very. I'm going to like have a political protest and make a political point here. I don't. I don't think that I. When I was growing up, I, there was no people that looked like me yeah. or who seemed like me that I looked up to. And so I think I kind of like don't have an LGBT icon, at least an LGBT icon that reflects my life experience. And I didn't have that growing up. So I'm going to kind of say I don't think I really have one. Um, I think that's a fair answer. But I want there to be more. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that your answer was Lady Phil. I don't care if she ridicules <laughs> you for it. Well, Moan was saying, we were talking about Kylie before. You were talking about Kylie with Moan before, right? And um, I was I was thinking about, yeah, it's so amazing that Kylie is going to be part of, is it Brighton Pride? Yeah. But how cool would it be to have, as you said, like Janelle Monae, M&EK? I, like, I think that's the next step. Yeah. We, we really, really need that. Like people who are LGBT+, plus should probably be our LGBT+, plus icons. Do you know what I mean? Like, 100%. I think that's the next step. One hundred percent. next step. Post Kylie, post Gaga. I do love Kylie and Gaga. <laughs> you can't help it, can you? Uh, that actually brings us to the end of the show. Oh my God. I cannot thank pleasure, you Callum. enough for coming on and pleasure. also to Mawan Rizwan, who we had earlier on the show. Um, you are both superstars. I can't thank you enough. No, you hang up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to play you out with a little bit of what? By Leaf. See you later. Bye. You've been listening to a Fubar Radio podcast. For more information, go to fubarradio.com.